You create your life with the stories you tell yourself. Want more fun, love, and money? Then write your new story and live into it. Louis DiBianco's podcast, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, shows you how to discover your empowering story. You'll meet many successful people who have created magnificent lives, even when the odds were stacked against them. Plus, you'll learn the secrets of great storytelling that can explode your business. And now, here is your host, Louis DiBianco. What does the word failure mean to you? To many people it means, oh, I'm not good enough, or I'll try something else because this, whatever this is, is just too hard. It means lack to so many people. Well, I'm here to tell you that failure doesn't mean anything until you and I come along. Yes, failure is just a story. Hey, hello, storytellers, and welcome once again to another episode of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I'm your host, Louis DiBianco. I'm excited to announce that our sponsor is Audible. They are offering you, our listeners, a free download of one of your favorite audio books. You get to choose from 180,000 titles, and you also get a one-month free trial of Audible's entire service. Simply go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. That is www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. For your convenience, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio, as well as the website changeyourstorypodcast.com. Because the theme of the show is change your story, change your life, I've created a free gift for you, my listeners. It is an ebook called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life in Business. You can download it immediately at www.changeyourstorypodcast.com. One of the most rewarding things in this podcast for me is my ongoing dialogue with you, my storytellers, my listeners. Let's continue that dialogue. Keep sending your comments about what you're getting from the show and what you'd like to see in it going forward. Send them to Lewis, L-O-U-I-S, at changeyourstorypodcast.com. I promise to read every message I receive, and to choose some of them to share with you on the show. Today's guest is a young man who knows what it means to create your own story and live into it. He knows from experience that failure is just a word, and it doesn't have to define or limit you. His name is Zach Slobin. He has a strong history in marketing, branding, social media, and sales sales training and personal coaching as well, along with what he calls a wild ride in the world of real estate investing. Zach Slobin has run the gamut as an entrepreneur. Now, he tells us himself that his journey has been one of great wins and devastating losses, all of which he now sits in gratitude of for the lessons they've allowed him to learn and grow from. Two years ago, he and his wife decided that they wanted absolute freedom. You know what? I'm actually going to save that part. I'm going to let him tell that part to you. Today, his peers consider him to be a master speaker, trainer, and coach, having now served thousands in their pursuits of ultimate health, a positive mindset, increased wealth, and a deeper sense of spirit and purpose. Zach's greatest passion is showing people how to go from where they are to where they deserve to be by letting go of the lies they tell themselves so that they can have, do, and be anyone they desire. Zach has a BA in philosophy from UC Santa Barbara, which he says does not mean a ton to him, but what he took away from it the most was what the Greeks call eudaimonia, 
It literally means to have a good indwelling spirit, a good genius. That's important to Zach because it will allow him to peacefully look back on his life and know that it was full of prosperity, well-being, and abundance, and to confidently be able to say, I did. It's an honor to know Zach. He entertains, educates, and inspires me continuously. Zach Slobin, welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life. Thank you, Lewis. It's really it's an honor to be here, man. Thanks so much for, for thinking of me and inviting me out. I'm excited to, excited to do this with you today. Oh, wow. I am excited as well, my friend. And we will begin at the beginning. Like, where were you born? So I was born and raised in the San Fernando Valley, which is just north of, which is part of Los Angeles. So when you think of valley girls and valley boys, that's where I grew up. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do a valley boy accent? I'm sure I could. I'm sure I could. But I feel like I've, I feel like I've hopefully uh, outgrown it. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, did you come from a big family? No, not really. I came. I come from a. I come from a fairly small family. I, which evolved into a somewhat larger family. But my parents had my brother and I, so just one biological brother, and a fairly small amount of extended family in terms of cousins and and whatnot. But both of my parent, my parents divorced when I was about ten years old, and then both subsequently remarried. So I inherited two step brothers from my stepfather and then a stepbrother and a stepsister from my stepmother. So I kind of grew, you know, in in a, in a functionally dysfunctional way is how my family got a little bit bigger. <laughs> you, you know, I love the fact that you just shared that because when I was growing up, you know, there was this, uh, it was a judgment, it was a belief, a stigma, if you like. Whenever there was a, a divorce going on, you would always hear the comment, oh, you know, this kid is going to, you know, he's coming from a divorced family and it meant that his life was not going to be good. And, you know, it's such nonsense. I mean, you're a living example. You're a highly successful and happy person. And I know so many others who come from so-called dysfunctional families who are enormously happy and successful. So thanks for sharing that. Hey, what, what was your childhood like? My childhood was was great. You know, I've I've reflected on it quite a bit in the last few years, as really in the last eight or nine years, as I've done as I've done some really deep dive personal development work for myself, and I've really been able to look back and know that I had a I had a really great childhood. I grew up in the you know I grew up in the San Fernando Valley, so we had warm Southern California weather, and I just remember growing up and playing playing baseball out in the cul-de-sac with my with my neighbors, and I was a competitive athlete from the time I was a little kid. So my my days and weekends were filled up with with traveling to practice and tournaments and games. And I, you know, I was, I was blessed to go to a, to go to, to cup to a couple of good schools. And I, you know, I was raised in a household where my mom is a very, wasn't, is a very successful psychotherapist. And so communication and open communication and discussing our feelings and what was happening in our lives as a child was something that was very prominent in, in our home. And so in many ways I look back and I feel like I had, I had a really blessed childhood. I, you know, I, I can't say that I ever went without. I definitely had some. I definitely had an incredible experience when my parents did get divorced. Because for as successful as my mom was, my dad financially went went belly up. He went broke, and so it was fascinating because my dad had custody of my brother and I, Adam, every Tuesday and Thursday and every other weekend. And so at my mom's house, it would be you know nice restaurants and dinners and you know steak and fish and whatnot for dinner. And then at my dad's, it would be cup of noodles and some, you know, quesadillas and whatever he could afford that day. So I really grew up having a profound appreciation for life with money and life without money as a child. And so that was, that's something I'm extremely grateful for having had that experience. That's wonderful. That's, that reminds me of Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad in a way. Mm -hmm. So you had, you know, rich mom, poor dad. Pretty much. And what kind of work did your dad do? Uh, so my dad was an entrepreneur and he, he owned a very successful business that he was first to market with. He actually used to help people avoid having to, having to wait in line at the DMV by filing all their paperwork and stuff for them. Unfortunately, he was, he was kind of stubborn. And so when he was introduced to a consultant who wanted to show him how to expand his business, he, he thought he knew better than everybody else. And inevitably, he didn't because he was just learning as he went, like so many entrepreneurs do. And he ended up 
kind of just getting bored and selling his business to his secretary actually for pennies on the dollar. And that was it. You know, that was kind of the beginning of the end for him. And from there he, he, he went broke for years, you know, for years and years. And he tried network marketing, believe it or not, which I know we're going to talk a little bit about. That's what I, that's how I was first introduced to it when I was 15. Oh, yep. And then he finally worked his way back up to having a little bit of, um, solidarity financially because he just got into sales. He was doing merchant sales and things like that. My dad is a, and I'm always happy to share transparently, and I, I, will never, I would never say anything about someone that I haven't already said to their face. Um, you know, my dad is a great example of what happens when you believe the story that you tell yourself, whether it be a victim story or a unlucky story or a, you know, not good enough story. He's a, he's a perfect example of, of the story overcoming the talent and the potential that he possessed. Yeah, I get you. There's a lot of human beings uh, like that. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. Now, I'm always fascinated by successful entrepreneurs because so many of them were not good students. Now, I don't know about you. I mean, what, well, tell us a bit about your education. What did you study and were you a good student? Yeah, good might be a relative term. I don't know if I was a... I probably wasn't... A, I, was, I was probably a decent student. I wasn't a great student. I definitely always knew how to work the system. So I knew I knew how much I had to do or how hard I had to work to do just well enough. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, the deal with my parents was because I sports was my my love. Sports was my passion as a kid. And the deal with my mom was if you don't get good grades, if you're not at least a B student or better, you cannot play sports. So I just did whatever I had to do to get B's. Uh, school always came somewhat naturally to me. I kind of, at an early age, recognized that the system was really just designed to educate us on how to become good test takers and not how to really retain information. So I knew that if I could just kind of study hard for a couple of tests, I'd do well enough. And that was kind of how I got by. I became really well known for just being the rabbit out of a hat kind of guy. And mm. so, as a, so, you know, I, I did well. I didn't do great. I graduated high school, I think, with like a I don't know, I think I graduated high school with like a 3.5 or 3.7 or something like that. And in college, I was the same way. I studied philosophy in college at UC Santa Barbara. And I was, you know, I was a guy that could write a 15-page paper the night before it was due and still get an A or, or a B plus or sometimes even an A plus. And a lot of my friends envied that. And at the time, I thought it was great. I thought it was really cool. Ironically, that mentality came back to bite me in the butt a few times as an entrepreneur. It's definitely come back to, to hurt me in some ways. Mm. In what way? In what way was uh, did it hurt you? I think it's. I think it was a lot of arrogance to think that okay, well, I don't have to plan that far ahead, or I'll be able to jump off that bridge when I come to it, or maybe I don't have to, you know, maybe I don't have to sign that contract as early as they want me to sign it. Maybe I don't have to get in. You know, if somebody if somebody had hired me to do some some freelance uh, work as a as a copywriter, or even to do some some video sales production where I was on the on camera talent, it you know it, it it hurt me in that I would I would procrastinate at times, and so procrastination would lead to maybe me not doing my best work or straining or straining relationships. You know, because I just didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. So it taught me a hard lesson, but a good one, and it's led me to being much more prepared for everything that I do now as, as an entrepreneur. That's great because yeah, it's true. I, I mean, I, what I find the beauty of the entrepreneur's world is it's all about the results and about showing up authentically, and it's it's not about learning how to fake it. Whereas in school, you learn how to fake it. <laughs> you reminded me of a very funny brief story. Um, I, I was a terrible student in 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 uh, when I studied physics in high school, but I managed to learn a lot from my exam. And on the exam, I got a ninety-seven out of a hundred. The teacher looked at me and he said, "Who were you sitting next to?" <laughs> and I I didn't cheat, but you know, I just was terrible in class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, as a kid, did you dream about what you would be when you grew up? I love that question, and I, I tell this story probably three to four times a week. Wow. I remember, I remember the day in class when the teacher said, what do you guys want to be when you grow up? I think I was probably six or seven years old. And all the kids went around the room, and you know, it was, I want to be a baseball player. I want to be a doctor. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a ballerina. And they said, well, what about you, Zach? And I said, I don't know what I want to be. I just know I want to do a lot of things at one time. 
So I just knew, I knew I was an entrepreneur. I knew that I was never going to be one. I never, I always knew that I'd never want to be tied down to one single thing. Uh, I dreamt of being a professional athlete. That was really what was poured into me from the time I was, I came out of the womb really. My mom says I came out with a bat and a ball in my hand. (laughs) And, uh, I was, I was committed to that. So I, so I, I had dreams of a big lifestyle that I always thought would come through, being an athlete and that would, and then being an athlete would open me up to other ventures. So I always had big dreams of the big lights, if you will. What, what, what was the response when you told the teacher that? Cause it was not a typical kid's response. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, you know, it, it was, it was probably something along the lines of like, that's, that's great, honey. But if you were to choose one, you know, one thing, you know, cause we all have to do one job, what would it be? And I, I've always been pretty steadfast in my belief. And I said, I don't know. I'm going to do a lot of things at one time. <laughs> you know, so. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Who were your biggest influences growing up? My mom, for sure. You know, my mom, for sure, in so many ways. She, she showed me how to suit up and boot up every single day. Mm. She showed me how for every dollar you earn, you put 50 cents in the bank. She showed me that no matter what life was throwing at you behind closed doors, when you open it up and you step out into the world, you show up and you do your best and you go to work every day. That's powerful stuff. I mean, it's definitely the material that success is built on. You know, you mentioned sports. Do you still play uh, like on a team at all? Do you play any baseball now? Unfortunately, I don't. I when I hurt my back in college as a soccer player, that was kind of the beginning of the, the downhill, if you will. I since had gotten into cycling, but then I, kind of, I hurt my knees. I joined a men's softball league and I hurt my shoulder. So I'm actually in rehab right now. I'm rehabbing my, my, my knees to try and get better so I can get back out on a bike or get into something because I do miss playing, that's for sure. The reason I ask that is that that love of uh, playing ball would have given you some of the groundwork to be a good network marketer because it's about the team. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. My wife and I, Eden and I talk about that all the time where it's about the athlete mentality and it's about the team and it's knowing when to, it's it's about knowing when to lead from the front and when to step back and lead from the back. It's about knowing how to understand the different types of personalities that you're working with. Mm. It's about understanding what someone's strengths are and what someone's weaknesses are and honoring both of those parts of them. And it's also about having the ego to say that it doesn't matter who gets the job done as long as the job gets done. So a hundred percent, my, my, my life as an athlete has led to some foundational principles, not just in network marketing, but in in business and in life in general, really. That's wonderful. That really, that really is. Now, what kind of different jobs have you had as you were, you know, uh, finding your way. How much time are we? How much time do we have for this show, Lewis? <laughs> <laughs> the show is an hour, but uh, you know, uh, I'll, if go ahead, just just get on a roll, and I'll know when to uh, interrupt you if I have oh, to. <laughs> I'll give you the clip notes. So, so, so going back to when I was seven, that was probably my first quote unquote job, if you will. We had my brother was all, my brother's likewise an entrepreneur and a very successful one at that, and. <laughs> When we were kids, our school would have candy bar sales to raise money for charity. Well, door to door, right? Yeah. The candy bars were a dollar. Well, my brother Adam, Adam and I, we would sell them for two. <laughs> so that was the first thing I did. Uh, my first real job, my stepfather was a journalist. When I was 12 years old, he was a journalist. And this was before online filing systems. And so he would he would cut out articles from newspapers that he wanted to save. And he had this giant filing cabinet that was all alphabetized. And so for $5 an hour for a couple hours a day, I would go into his office and I would file papers for him day after day. And it was great because it gave me exposure to what was going on in the world. It's interesting now that there's this new show about the OJ Simpson trial. It was during the OJ trial. So as you know, as a 12 year old, I was sitting there following the case every day by, by clipping out these articles, which was interesting. Oh yeah. Then I went on to do, you name it, I did it. I, you know, I got, I, I worked, a, I, I made it an entire week at a frozen yogurt shop. I think I lasted two weeks at a toy store. I worked as a front <laughs> desk receptionist for a gym. I got into sales when I was about, I, I, I worked for a market research company was when I was 15. I've never held a job longer than seven months ever in my life. Uh-huh. Um, 
I'm, I'm psychologically unemployable. I'm, I'm the worst employee probably in the history of man. Well, I don't know. I think I could win the competition with you, my friend. Maybe, probably. Yes, indeed. I, I understand that feeling. And that's great because, you know, you, as we know, it's always more lucrative to and satisfying to work for yourself. Now, yeah. were there any of, among those jobs that you liked more than others? And if there was, why? Of the jobs that I, that I actually worked, were there any that I enjoyed more than others? Gosh. They don't have to be. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just wondering. You know what? You know, I, I actually, I, uh, there were, when I was, so I thought I wanted to be a sports agent at one point. Okay. And I got an internship with a very big sports management company in Beverly Hills. And after spending a summer with them, I was very clear that I did not want to be a sports agent. But the gentleman who mentored me there at the time, who again is a very successful, prominent agent, he, at the end of the summer, he said, hey, Zach, he goes, you know, he said, I know that being an agent isn't right for you. He said, but you do have a lot of potential and a lot of talent. He said, there are two things that I recommend that you do. He said, one, you've got to get better at math. You've got to know how to do numbers if you're going to be in business. He said, you don't have to be, a, you don't have to be an Einstein, but you've got to know some foundational principles about how to work with numbers. He said, the other thing is, he says, go get great at sales. He says, because if you're going to own a business, as long as you know sales, you can do anything. And I really took that to heart because I've always been a believer that if somebody has the results that I want, I'm willing to take their advice. And if they don't, it goes one in, in one ear and out the other. So I went and had, I went and got jobs in college in call centers. Oh. And, yep. And I loved the jobs. I didn't like the environment, but I loved the job because I knew that I was compressing the speed at which I would learn sales, you know, times a thousand because I'd, I'd sit there and I'd do anywhere from a hundred to 300 calls a day. So I would, I got to learn about how to overcome objections and how to ask the right questions and how to deal with rejection over and over and over and over again. And so those were, that was, those were jobs that I really enjoyed. Plus at the time I was making, you know, four or five times the amount of money that most of my, my buddies were making because they were all working these little minimum wage jobs. So I, I loved that aspect of it for sure. Mm. And of course, you were picking up million-dollar skills, multi-million-dollar skills. Yep, absolutely. That's, that, that's beautiful. Now, you worked in the corporate world, right? Did you for a while? I did at different at different stages of my life. I worked in I've worked in the corporate world. Yes. Now, when you did, what were your expectations and aspirations when you first entered the corporate world? And then, what did you discover? Hmm. So my, my very first, when I, when I switched off from wanting to be a sports agent, I wanted to go into the team management side of things. I always thought that I'd make a great general manager for a team. And so I went into working in professional sports. I worked for a major league soccer team out of college. And I really went in there with aspirations of getting into you know, the, the personnel division and, and, and talent evaluation so I could work my way up to management. And, and naturally, I started in sales because that's just usually where they start people. And what I found was that after about four months of going in there, and I, 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 came, I became their number one sales guy right away. And I was 22 or 23 years old right out of college. But what I found was that I was staring around at all of these people who were just gazing and essentially drooling over their computer monitors. And I just looked around and it, they, they all looked like robots, Lewis. They all yes. looked like robots. And mm. I saw this, and then the, the, then the then general manager of that team, I saw the stress that he was experiencing. I saw the constant demands that he put on himself to be liked by everybody, to impress everybody. I was very clear that he wasn't living something that he loved and that's when I made the decision to really go out on my to really strike out on my own because I just I knew in that moment that that I was unwilling to live that kind of life no matter how high up the ladder I could get I was unwilling to get to the top of the ladder that always 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 would be shaky at the bottom and I have the the potential to fall off of, fall off of at any given moment what a wonderfully astute observation. You know, uh, you're, of course, familiar with Randy Gage, who's a, a major leader in network marketing. Sure. Um, I, he's one of my idols. And mm. I recently, I was at an event where he spoke. And apropos of what you just discussed, he made this comment. He said, most people think 
that the film, The Matrix, is a science fiction film. He says they don't realize that it's a documentary. Absolutely. <laughs> so true. I, it's so funny. I, uh, I talk about The Matrix a lot. So true. <laughs> so that brings us to how did you discover besides being introduced to it at a young age how did you discover network marketing to begin working in it right so this actually this, so this it's a good segue because of kind of where i went to next so after i after i left that that professional soccer career i actually at the same time had met and 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 fallen in love with a young woman who lived in san francisco and i was living in los angeles and i i decided to move to san francisco to take a shot on on this girl but more than anything i was looking to spread my wings get out of la and i i took a job briefly with cbs radio and in in advertising and that really that lasted about two and a half months i think i had a pretty good run there two and a half months that's pretty good <laughs> but from there i actually got hired by a by a title and escrow company who wanted to put a different spin on on how to serve their their clients their real estate brokers and agents and mortgage brokers and that was to provide life coaching services in exchange for their title and escrow business and so they hired me here I am at 24 years old and I'm going to go be this coach you know to these successful realtors and mortgage brokers so I've always been one to swing for the fences. So the very first call that I made was to the number one earning mortgage broker in all of San Francisco. And she ignored me. And I called her every single day for a week. And every day I left her a message saying, I'm going to keep calling you until you are willing to meet with me. So either put a restraining order on me or just let me buy you coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and I went and sat down with her and she said, I don't want to know what you are doing with the title company. She said, I'm starting a new company and I'd like you to come work with me to help me start the company. She said, anyone that has your kind of persistence is somebody I want to do business with and I want to partner with. Mm -hmm. So that was my first journey and I'm going to, this will lead to the network marketing in a moment. So that was my first venture into entrepreneurship or as, as, as an adult. And we started this business and our agreement was, I would earn 10% of any, anything I brought in, and it was, a, it was an insurance-based business, so 10% of any, any policy that I wrote. Well, about a, about, a month before, about a month before Christmas, I had brought in and thought what I was going to, and, and thought I brought in a, a $2 million policy. And four days before Christmas that year, she called me into her office, and she said, hey, I just wanted to give you something for the holidays and she took out her checkbook and I thought she was going to write me an advance on the $200,000 I thought was coming to me mm. and she started to fill out the check and she wrote two zero zero and stopped and she slid the check across her desk and she, she said thanks for all your help kid good luck with everything you're out oh uh-huh and for years, I cried victim about that, but it was really my responsibility. I had nothing in writing. I got, you know, blinded by the glitz and the glamour of working in a high-rise corner office in, San, in the financial district of San Francisco. I, I, I had a business card that said "President" on it of a financial company. You know, I thought I'd made it, and it was my arrogance that that led to that. And so I I, I ripped up the check and said, "I don't need your money." <laughs> which I actually could have used every penny of because I'd built that business for nine months on, on peanuts with her bootstrapping it. But I walked out and you know, my, my, my ex at the time, she said, well, you need to go get a job, which to me, it's like, you might as well just here, just drink this, this vat of acid. But, <laughs> uh, I had to do it. Uh, I had to do it. And I went and I got a job in a phone room cause that's, I just knew that I could always go to a phone room and I could always make, make money doing sales. And when I walked in for my very first interview, the sales manager says, you're not, you don't belong here. <laughs> he said, you don't belong here. What are you doing? And I shared my story with him, and he shared how he ended up there as well. So one day he says to me, he says, Zach, he says, listen, he goes, I just got, I just got, uh, there's an opportunity that just came across my desk the other day, and I'd, I'd like to get your opinion on it because I don't drink coffee, you drink coffee. Would you be willing to to try some of this product that we're looking at potentially distributing? I would I'd love to get your feedback on it. And I said, sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go you know, I'll go try the product for you. 
And we call that the backdoor approach. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Right? So he says, great, it's in San Jose. I was living in San Francisco. So San Jose was, is about an hour and a half south of San Francisco. He said, let's go, we'll, we'll meet there on Saturday. I said, great. So I go into this, I go into an office and I'm sitting around this giant conference room table and there are these, you know, eight other gentlemen in there, all dressed really sharp, nice suits, the whole deal. And they bring out this coffee and they start talking about how they're going to be importing this coffee from seven different countries in Africa and, and then to try the coffee. And I tried the coffee. And to this day, Lewis, I still admittedly don't know that I've found a better cup of coffee to this day. No, really? Yep. And I tried the coffee and I said, man, that is really good coffee. And they said, yep, we're going to import it from seven different countries in Africa. And you guys are in on the ground floor of this. And I'm sitting there going, I, this is it. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a multimillionaire tomorrow. Yep. <laughs> and then the gentleman says, and we're going to, and we're going to, and we're going to do it using network marketing. And in that moment, a giant wall went up. I sunk down in my chair, crossed my arms. Thanks, but no thanks. And the reason I said thanks, but no thanks was because, as I mentioned before, it was my dad that had introduced me to network marketing at 15 years old. It was his grand plan of how he was going to start to make money again. And I just watched him do a couple of different deals, and I just always thought it was a joke. I thought that real entrepreneurs don't do that stuff. You know, yeah. that's not a real business. And a gentleman pulled me aside that day, Lewis, and he says, you know, Zach, I saw your body language. I've been in this game for a long time. He said, you don't know this yet, but you have the potential to be one of the most powerful network marketers I've ever met in my life. Whoa. He said, go home and do your research on the network marketing profession. And if you really get what this is all about, if you truly understand it and still decide that this is not for you, then no big deal. We'll part as friends. And that I thought smart. that was very smart. Yep. I said, that seems fair enough. That seems reasonable to me. So I went home and I went online and I started researching and I saw everything about, you know, pyramids and Ponzi's and this, that, and the other. And I knew enough to realize very quickly that the articles that were being written were, were biased and written by either uneducated people or by people who were just trying to redirect people to their offers. Yeah. And then I came across the video by Tim Sales called Brilliant Compensation. Yeah, I've seen it. I have it, I think. Yeah. Yep. And I watched him interview, you know, Dr. Charles Edward, and that's when I got it. It clicked for me. I saw it. I said, this is by far, hands down, the most brilliant business model I've ever seen. Here's an opportunity to truly, to, to be a leader, to train and develop, to bring a good product to the market, and to create long-term residual income. But the thing that I fell in love with most, Lewis, was that I, at that same time while doing my research, was that I saw that the, that the divorce rate in the United States would be reduced by 50% with an additional $300 to $500 a month brought into the household. Mm. And that hit my heart because of my experience with my parents. Ooh, mm. interesting. Wow. So 10 years ago, that became my why. And to this day, it still very much is. I felt like, God, not everyone's going to hit a financial home run. I knew enough to know that. But if I could just help people alleviate some stress with an extra three to $500 a month, that feels like fulfilling work. That feels like it can lead to eudaimonia. And uh, that's how I got involved in network marketing when I was 24 years old. So I was actually a founder of that company. So people ask me, what was your first company? I said, well, actually, I was, I, was, I was a founder of one. <laughs> Do you want to mention the name? It doesn't exist anymore, so it wouldn't even okay. matter. We lasted a total of six months because our CEO took off with the money. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's one of the best stories I've ever heard about an introduction to network marketing. I love it. <laughs> it's really great. It's, it's going to be very inspiring for other people to hear as well. I hope so. Because, I mean, I was going to ask you, did you take to it immediately? You've already answered that you did not. I mean, you were really resistant to it. Now, what were your biggest challenges? As So, let me ask you, before we get to that, you so that, that company went belly up. What did you leave MLM or did you find another company right away? No, so I so I so I I I I left network marketing and I actually started to support myself by playing poker full time, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I played in the World Series and uh, poker and the whole thing and you know I I played poker. And my I I've lived a lot of life in a very short period of time. And my my ex again, she was like, look, she goes, you know. 
poker is not secure. And she, she was, you know, she came from a very blue collar upbringing. She liked to secure paychecks, steady the whole deal. I was, I was never the right guy for her by any means. <laughs> and, and that's a whole nother story, which we might end up getting to at some point. And, <laughs> and, uh, she said, you got to go back and get another job. And I said, okay, that seems fair, you know? And so I went on Craigslist and I started looking at different sales jobs and I come across this ad and right when I see the ad, Lewis, I knew that it was for an opportunity. I knew it. And, and I was like, don't click the link. Don't click the link. Don't click the link. <laughs> and of course I clicked the link yeah. <laughs> and I knew, I knew it was an opportunity and I send my information off and, and a day later I get on a phone call with a woman named Shannon Martin and she starts talking to me about real estate investing combined with direct sales and how her and her husband were 28 and 29 years old at the time making, you know, $30,000 a month and the company was growing like crazy and I said, "Hey, you know, this all sounds really exciting and amazing. Do you mind me asking you a question?" She says, "Yes." I said, "Is the company called Nouveau Riche?" And she said, Yes, it is. You've heard of it. And I said, yeah, I, I have. It sounds like you guys are doing some great stuff. I also know that it's a $20,000 buy-in. I have about $500 to my name. I don't think I'm who you're looking for. And what she did that day was something I will never forget. And it's something that I sit in gratitude of all the time because we kept talking a little bit. And she said, you know, Zach, I've, of all the calls I've done recruiting people for this, she said, I've never had anybody ask me the types of questions that you've asked me. She said, I don't know what it is about you, but there's something special and I just want to meet you and I want you to meet my, at the time it was her, it was her boyfriend, they're, they're married now, two beautiful kids. I just want you to meet my boyfriend Ryan and I were coming up to the Bay Area to do a presentation on you know, Thursday of this week. Will you just come say hi? Will you just come meet us? And I was like, yeah, I would love to meet you guys, but you know, this isn't, I, I'm, just, I'm not in a position to do this. And she said, no worries, just, just come. We just want to, I just want to be friends with you. I said, okay. So I drove over to Marin County that day and on Thursday and I, I sit in this meeting, Lewis, and here they are. They're talking about real estate investing combined with direct sales. And it was the most, it was by far at the time, the most genius opportunity I had seen, right? Because the idea was make money on the direct sales side of things and then take the money and learn how to invest it into real estate from real estate investing experts. Made genius sense to me. It's still, it's still around, right? Nouveau Riche is still around. They changed the name. They changed the name. It's called Renatus now, I believe. Okay, okay. Yep. And um, so after the meeting, they were like, you know, what do you think? And I was like, well, I think it's phenomenal. I, I probably won't sleep tonight. But I, you know, like I said, I, I, I don't have any money and I, I can't do this. And they said, no worries here. Take this magazine home. Just, you know, read through it if you want to. Will you come meet us for lunch tomorrow? We'll take you for sushi. And I was like, yeah, guys, I mean, I'll come meet you, but I, I really don't want you to waste any time on me. Like, I know you're busy. I know you're successful. I just, you know, I, I probably just need to get a job. And they said, just don't worry about it. We just we think you're awesome. We think there's something special about you. Come meet us. I said, okay. So I went for lunch the next day. After not sleeping that night, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And by the time we were done with lunch, they were like, so how do you feel about everything? I said, I feel great about everything. You guys are amazing. The opportunity looks amazing. Hasn't changed the number in my bank account. You know, in fact, to spend the money on gas to get here, I think I'm now down to about $460. <laughs> so... They said, no worries, just think about it and we'll, you know, we'll talk to you over the next couple of days. And I said, cool, great. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but sounds good. You know, you guys are great people. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of days go by and Ryan called me and he, and he said, Zach, so where are you at with everything? And I said, you know, Ryan, believe it or not, I've probably read through the magazine you gave me about 25 times. I probably know every story of the company at this point. I've seen the compensation plan. I could probably recite it to you with my eyes closed. I can't stop thinking about this, Ryan. I said, I think I'm about 97% of the way there to 97% uh, of the way to find the money, to find a way to make this happen. And he said, well, what's the, what's the missing 3%? And I said, you know, man, I got to know that it's real. I got to know that it's real. I got to know that the company's real. I got to know that you guys are making money, that other people are making money. I said, I have to know that it's real. He said, great, hang up and I'll call you and I'll call you back in half an hour. And I said, okay. And so I hang up, he calls me back in 30 minutes and he says, check your email. And I checked my email and there's a flight itinerary from Oakland, California down to to, to Newport Beach, where they lived, flying into Irvine. He said, you're going to be our guest this weekend at a super Saturday, and you're going to meet a bunch of our community. And I was like, okay, um, I can't say no to that. Now, my ex at the time was like, you're crazy. You shouldn't go. You don't know who these people are. You know, and I was like, well, what do I have to lose? They've already bought me sushi, and they probably have a nice house. I might as well go hang out and enjoy myself, you know? Yeah. So I went down there, and I met all these 
people that were just, they were doing it and it was happening. And I, I went home and, you know, two days later, I, I got really creative. I got really creative and I raised $20,000. What? How did yeah. you do that? I got really creative. I, I mean, if you want the real story. Yeah, I do. What I did was I enrolled as a student at a local city college with yeah. enough credits to qualify for a private student loan from a bank. Oh, my God. Yep. So That's did, creative. Yep, creative financing. And I, uh, I joined that company with, at the time, by the time I signed up, I had about $390 or so in my bank account. And um, I joined that company. And for the first four or five months of that company, I made no money whatsoever. Six, seven months go by, I made no money whatsoever. I was really still supporting myself on, on poker. And uh, then it finally clicked. And in my last, I think, five or six months, I ended up doing about a quarter million dollars between the real estate investing side and the direct sales side. And I was 26 years old when that happened. And those people, Ryan and Shannon, they, you know, they, they were the greatest stand for me. They, you know, when you, you hear people talk about, because we, we, you know, I, I preach it all the time as well, is you got to believe in people before they believe in you. You got to see things in people that they don't see in themselves. They were, they were those people for me. So you, you, so you made a half a million. No, I made a, well, a quarter million, but yeah. A quarter of a million. Did, did you stay with the company? No. So, so the company, the, the results of the company were directly tied to the results of the real estate market. And uh, what was happening was it was right before it, things started to crash in a hurry. And so as the market started to crash, the ability to enroll people started to crash because a lot of people started, a lot of people were also trying to use that creative financing strategy. Well, the banks stopped lending altogether. And so when the bank stopped lending, we couldn't enroll people really. And so we just we couldn't make any money. Well, Ryan and Shannon, they really took off with the real estate investing side of things. And I went with them and I was doing wholesale properties with them in, in Detroit actually. But we, uh, we essentially left the company and we just went to focus strictly on real estate investing. And uh, that crashed though. And it crashed hard and I crashed with it. And within about a six month period of time, uh, my ex fiance and I, cause we had gotten engaged, my ex fiance and I had blown through about $80,000 and we called off our wedding two weeks after the save the date cards went out. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. What a, that's another great story, man. Wow. Yeah. And I, uh, at 27 years old, I found myself back living on my mom's couch without a penny to my name and I blame network marketing. Whoa. Mm hmm. So when I was saying what were your biggest challenges in MLM, well, we certainly got to a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the great one: what brought you back? How did you how did you get lured back into the game? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I so as I was as I was as I had left the real estate company, and as I was kind of as I was going through that money, I also had started to build relationships inside of the industry. I'd, I started to do training for, for some companies because I was one of the first people to figure out how to use social media, Facebook specifically, to build network marketing businesses. And so I started getting behind the curtain and I started seeing behind the curtain of a lot of companies and I kept getting let down and that's when it really, really solidified it for me. But how did I get back in the game? Oh gosh, well, I really got back in the game because of, because of my wife, Eden now. And, um, I got introduced to the company I'm with now by, by a friend of mine who I'd run into at the gym and she wanted me to get on her products. She really wanted to recruit me. And I said, I'm not recruitable. I'm retired from network marketing. You couldn't pay me to take a position. I had been offered positions, money, cars by different companies. I said no to all of them. And I was however motivated to get on the products that her, that the company had because I wanted to get back to feeling like an athlete again, quite frankly. So I got on the products and I had, I, had an, I had great physical results. I had a great transformation, but I still wanted nothing to do with building, nothing. And when I started dating Eden, who's my wife, when I first started dating her and I first took off my shirt, she was, let's say, mildly impressed with my physique. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she wanted to know what I used for my nutrition. And I actually didn't want to tell her because I was worried that she would have judgments about me being affiliated with a network marketing company, believe it or not, I was, I was that scarred. And so instead of bringing her like flowers and chocolates, one of our products for our company are these really amazing world-class shakes. I would just start bringing her shakes and she fell in love with the shakes. Well, she was getting ready to go to a trip to Vietnam and this was in December of 2012. 
and she was worried about having access to clean food. So I said, hey, look, just take, a, just take a box of shakes with you. That way you can always have at least one good meal. So she goes to Vietnam. She's there for two and a half weeks. She, gets, she has tons of energy, feels amazing, notices that her clothes are fitting a little bit more loosely. Well, her boss at the time wouldn't give her the day off. So after a 30-hour travel day back from Vietnam, she had to go straight from LAX to her office at the time in Santa Monica. At the time, she'd been working as a financial controller for a very large entertainment firm where she'd been for almost, almost eight years. And she walks in the door and her boss looks at her and says, how do you look so amazing after traveling for, so, for, for two and a half weeks in Asia? And Eden says, well, I don't know. Zach has me on these shakes. And her boss says, well, I'd like to try some. So <laughs> Eden said, yeah. Eden sends me a chat message and she goes, hey, Kathy wants to try the shakes. And now I'm sitting here going, oh, crap, what am I going to do? I don't want to buy her boss a bunch of product. I'm not going to do that. So I ignore her message. Well, <laughs> and, and Lewis, you, you, you've met Eden and, you know, my, my wife is not one to be ignored when it comes to anything that she wants. And <laughs> she, uh, she comes home and she, she puts her laptop down in front of me and she goes, hey, she goes, order the shakes. My boss wants to try some. I know a bunch of my girlfriends would love this stuff. What's the deal? And that's when the entrepreneur in me came back out and I was like, well, how many of your girlfriends would love this stuff? (laughs) (laughs) And she says, Zach, I know a ton of people. Why? And I said, you know, I said, Eden, I've been really reluctant to share this with you, but, but it's, it's a network marketing company. And I kid you not, Lewis, she slams her hand down on the table I can't believe you didn't tell me this is network marketing. I'm all about residual income. Who do I talk to next? Wow. Mm-hmm. So on the one half, it's like the, the clouds part, the trumpets are blaring. Thank you, God. It's confirmed me. She's my soulmate, right? The angels are dancing. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other half of me is absolutely terrified, like poop in my pants, terrified because I'd just been dating for two and a half months. I knew I was going to marry her. And the last thing I wanted to do was compromise our relationship by getting into building a business with each other, let alone a network marketing business. Because I knew how easy it was to get caught up in the hype and the excitement of it. So I said, look, I want nothing to do with the business. I was like, you can go do whatever you want to do. I'll answer any questions as you go. I, I really want nothing to do with it. I'll support you. You go run, be free. So she said, okay, great. And I really didn't ever think she was going to do anything with it. <laughs> it's like, it's one of those times as a man where I'm really, really glad I was wrong. <laughs> she, uh, so she went out and, her, and, and in her first, in her first month, she had these incredible, she had an incredible physical transformation, but she also earned a thousand dollars without any of my help and just doing it in these little 15 minute pockets here and there. Cause at the time she was working 15 hours a day. She had a very high, she had a very stressful, good job, you know, six figure income in Los Angeles, entertainment company, the works second month. She does $2,200. Well, at the very end of that second month, her senior boss comes to her and says, Hey, that promotion that you've been waiting for, for the last seven and a half years, we're going to give it to you. She goes, but we need you to go back to school. We're not guaranteeing any kind of a significant raise. We're going to give you a raise, but if you think it's going to be something huge, think again. She goes, the other thing is you cannot tell Kathy about this. So Kathy was the woman that had mentored Eden. And what Eden realized in that moment was, wait a minute. So Kathy's been here for 22 years and you're going to replace her with somebody younger for less money. And if you're willing to do it to her, then you'll be willing to do it to me. And I'm unwilling to compromise my integrity to, to live that lie. So she comes home to me that night and says, here's what happened. And then she also says, look, dude, just like that. She said, look, dude, She goes, I've Googled you. I know you're an expert at this. I've read your articles. I've seen some of your YouTube videos. I haven't spent the last 10 years of my life looking for the man I want to marry just to be separated by 15 hours a day doing things that we hate. You know, what about when we have kids? I want us to travel together. Let's go make an impact. Like we know that this can work. Like let's go. And in that moment, Lewis, what I found was that that our company had done something I'd never seen before in network marketing ever. And that's that it spends so much money on the research and development and science of products that actually get people results, that they take the average person like Eden, who never in their wildest dreams thought they'd be in network marketing, and turned them into an absolute referral machine. And that's unheard. 
unheard of in most cases. And so what hit me that night was, wow, there's that extra three to $500 a month that people can have. This company's really done it. They really have done it. And I said, okay, let's go. And so two months after that, um, so four months from the time Eden started, we both replaced our, our the six-figure the six-figure salaries that we were making at the time, and that was June of 2013. It's been a little less than three years. We're coming up on our three-year mark, and uh, it's just been it's been a blessing. You know, I mean, we're I'm 34, she's 32, and we're financially free thanks to this. We wake up every day in a beautiful home in in Del Mar, California, with an ocean view and. We just get to serve people every single day in their transformations, and it's led to me being able to pursue a lot of my other passions and, and whatnot, and so it's just been, it's been amazing. So that's, that's my journey in network marketing to date. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it, and I love the fact that it just wasn't a cakewalk for you, that it wasn't something that you just stepped into, fell in love with, built, and there were no obstacles. You had major obstacles external and internal you overcame them and now you're obviously you know um an evangelist for the profession and i understand why i'm in the same company i'm in the same profession and i totally um understand what you're talking about it is a remarkable way to live now explain to people how network marketing is a personal development course with a compensation plan attached? That's a great question. No, I, we always say that, but no one's really ever asked me to, to explain it. So I just want to I just want to check in for a moment. I think that what first comes to mind when you first have to ask that question, I immediately get taken to Jim Rohn, who said that uh, that goal setting isn't about the achieving of goals, it's about the person you have to become in order to achieve them. Mm. And that's what network marketing does is that network marketing fosters the ability for people to unlearn things that they've learned about themselves, to learn things about themselves that they never knew existed, to overcome so many of the personal demons, internal and external, that we face in our lives, all while being supported by a community of people who have a vested interest in your success in a person and all along the way you can earn some money doing it that'd be the best way i could put it because in order to be more do more and have more we have to be willing to stretch and grow more and network marketing because of the way that the business model is structured because of the behavior that it instills it forces people to either grow or to stay still where they are. And the thing I love most about network marketing when you talk about personal development with a compensation plan, and we have a saying on our team that I just repeat almost every day, is that I don't care whether you go fast or slow. All I care about is that you go. Because there can be no progress without struggle. But you might as well get paid along the way if you're going to struggle. <laughs> I love it. That's really a wonderful, wonderful answer. Um, so how is network marketing? Um, you've already given us an idea, but can you elaborate a little more? How has it impacted your life? In any way in which one person's life can be impacted, you know, it's, in, it's impacted my, well, I'll say this. One of the things we preach is, the ability to live a, a holistic lifestyle because of network marketing, holistic, W-H-O-L-E. And that means getting to a 10 out of 10 in four key areas, and that's our, that's our mindset, our health, our wealth, and our, and our spirit. And that's what network marketing has provided. You know, you can get to a lot of places in a lot of different ways, and I like to use the analogy of a car, right? So you can certainly get to where you want to go on a car that has three tires that are all the way filled up and one that's a little bit flat. You'll get where you're going to where you want to go, but the ride's going to be quite a bit bumpier and there's no guarantee that 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 tire blowing out all the way won't force the entire vehicle to break down. And that life can be a smooth ride if you're riding in a car that's filled up on all four tires. And so that's what network marketing's brought to my life, you know, it 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 has brought air to the 
to the tires that were flat. It's brought strength to the tires that were already filled up. And more than anything, Lewis, the thing that it's brought to my life is it's brought to my life the ability to, to do the one thing that if I were to ever go have a career, and this goes back to one of your first questions, I just love how things come full circle. The secret that I always keep inside myself that I don't share too often was that if I were to ever do a traditional career, what, would I, what did I want to do? And I always said that I'd be a teacher. I always wanted to be a teacher. The challenge was that I always knew that being a teacher would never pay me enough to live the lifestyle that I always wanted to live. So what network marketing has brought me, it has brought me the ability to be a very highly compensated educator and teacher. And that's probably the thing I love the most about it. I love that. And from what I see, it's also strengthened and deepened your marriage to Eden. Oh, talk about a talk about a talk about a, a a zero to sixty lesson in being married and being business partners because we've really at the exact same time that we've been married we've been growing this huge organization together so what a lesson what lessons that's provided us man has that been amazing you know we've compressed the marriage cycle we've probably cut the forty year plan in half actually probably cut it cut it you know by seventy five percent people should know too how old are you my friend. I'm 34 and Eden is 32. Wonderful. That is just wonderful. I know I mean, it's wonderful to see the two of you when you share the stage because you really do share the stage. It's not about one person dominating over the other. You, The way you hand over, um, you hand the reins over to each other is so beautiful to watch and you're both very strong at what you do. That's phenomenal. What are your five-year goals? Where do you see yourself five years from today? You know, one, one of our associates asked me that same question about a month ago. And my, my own personal work, my own spiritual work has, has kind of opened up a really new sense of how I look at life and the lens through which I view things. Because I used to be a very goal-oriented, attached to specific outcome type person and my my intuition answered when she asked me that question and I'll give you the same answer and I see myself being in five years Lewis wherever I'm supposed to be because what I've learned is that when I make plans God or the universe or whatever someone's beliefs are laughs and so I've really learned to just surrender now that's not to say that I don't have a vision of where we're going but I'm not attached to it. So where do I see myself in five years? What are my goals? My goals are to feel happy, to feel joy, to feel blissful, to feel inspired, to feel energized, to feel like I'm on purpose. And I have no idea what that's going to look like or how that's going to come, but that's my goal and that's my intention. My goal is how do I want to feel today in this moment right now doing this interview because it's all that it exists and that's all that is for me. So five years from now, I mean, God willing, I'm, I'm even here in five years. You know, I think that one of the biggest ways we create anxiety in our lives is we we start to think into a future possibility that doesn't even exist. It's speculation. It's crazy making. <laughs> so <laughs> might be a little bit different answer than most of the entrepreneurs that you'll talk to, but I just that's just what's felt real and right for me. Thank you. I love that answer. And I, I can feel the passion and the clarity behind it. Beautiful. How can people contact you if they wish to? Uh, you know, I, I love connecting with people. So yeah, there's my website, which is zachslobin.com, Z-A-C-H, Slobin, S-L-O-B-I-N.com. But really, like, I, Facebook is great. You know, facebook.com slash zachslobin. And, you know, send me a message. That's probably the best way. I can't thank you enough. This has been uh, very uplifting for me. I've learned a lot. I always learn a lot when I hear you. And Today I had the pleasure of it just being one-on-one. I Really, it's just wonderful. And you've contributed a lot to our listeners. Thank you, Zach, so much. And of course, a heartfelt thanks to you, my listeners, my storytellers, for tuning in today with us live. I'm buzzing right now. Zach's energy, his passion, his humor, his intelligence, and... His whole perspective on life is so, so refreshing. I'm sure that you feel this as well. Definitely share this with other people. Let them know that they can hear this podcast 
on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and at the website changeyourstorypodcast.com. And remember that at the website, there's a free gift waiting for you, which can inspire and transform you. It is an ebook that I've written called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. You can download it for free. You know, during the next week, I want you to have this in mind. Zach spoke about a lot of struggle, about disappointment, about experiences that we can frame as failures. Think about how he dealt with all of them to rise to success, to rise to fulfillment and happiness. Reflect on your own life. Has there been a failure that has stopped you, that has taken the wind out of your sails? Look back on it and ask yourself, how can I reframe it? How can I get a gem from it? How can I use that experience and make it great? Begin by asking this question, how can I change my story and change my life? Tune in to the next episode of Louis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.